Welcome, welcome back to Rise to Liberty. Thank you for joining us. Uh, anybody who's watching, my guest today is uh, David Fight of Fight for Liberty podcast. How you doing, David? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Damn, that intro is a banger too. I was just sitting there in the back, in the back. <laughs> Thank just... you. Thank you. I'm. I was actually pretty proud of it by the time I got it up because I worked so long just getting everything just perfect. It's a great. Little, uh, little anal retentive that way i guess you know? <laughs> yeah so, so the one thing about podcasting i wasn't expecting to have to become was a video audio graphic design wizard i didn't sign up strategist. for that <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's honestly not as fun as everyone thinks mm. and i don't recommend it and i see why most podcasts don't make it over a year mm -hmm. so makes total sense like I'm surprised I'm still here. So, so one one that. thing, this is the first time you've been on my show. Been wanting to get you on for a minute, just but everything happens when it happens. Yeah. And so, do you kind of want to just give a, a rundown who you are, what sure you're into? Uh, my name's David Fight, uh, F I T E. So uh, I'm the host of Fight for Liberty and the Fight Club. Uh, Fight Club is kind of a spin-off, uh, fun show to not bogged down the algorithm on my main show uh but the fight for liberty is a show where i talk to people that i think are actively out there fighting for liberty trying to live a freer life or help other people live a freer life and whether that's uh by working in personal finance or starting their own business or being a politician or an activist uh, i try to cover all of the different meanings of the word free and uh, get actionable advice from them that can help my viewers either fight for liberty better or live a freer life themselves. Yeah, and I've got to say, you've got some of the best guests, and I love the conversations. Um, Thank you. It's uh, it's been a fun journey, that's for sure. I was not ex I wasn't expecting too much out of it. I started it during the pandemic. I was just home and had the free time and had the channel from when I ran for office in 2019. I was like, already had probably 40 or 50 subscribers from that and was just like, hey, let's let's do a thing. I had enough time then to like put a lot of work into a weekly solo show where I didn't have a guest. I was just diving into like whatever laws were getting passed this week or uh, different people. And then I went back to work and like the pandemic kind of started to subside and then it became a whole other animal. Yeah, yeah, it's... So I, I started mine right when everything was kind of opening up, but there was still a lot of lockdowns and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It was, it was weird. I was right at the tail end, so it was actually really difficult to get any subscribers. Um, yeah. You know, I'm okay with it, honestly, because the subscribers I have built have been actually just more solid. It, it feels like... Uh, more quality than quantity at this point and i'm okay with that yeah plus i've been able to fly under uh youtube's radar uh they've, they've snagged me for a couple of things but for the most part i, I just fly right under the radar which is really nice uh yeah other the other than the time i had spike cohen on and uh, we, we talked about uh vaccine mandates and all of a sudden it just boom 15 minutes after it was done <laughs> wow no. Yeah, I've thankfully been able to also fly under the radar. I've gotten times I've gone on other people's shows taken down. I went 
working on one of my good friend Angelo's show, and that one got taken down like the very next day. Uh, but nothing from my show. Yeah, that's wild. So one one thing I wanted to ask, you have been involved with the Libertarian Party, and I I remember a uh, an interview you actually did with uh, Reed Coverdell. It was almost a year ago now, I think. And it was the, uh, is fight getting faced? <laughs> or, uh, whatever. And you seemed fairly blackpilled on the whole legislative process. Mm -hmm. so almost a year later, how, how are you feeling about it? Um, I've kind of continued down that, that rabbit hole for the last year to the point where I I'm no longer fully or like full-time in politics. I went three and a half years almost uh, without making any money from anything that wasn't politics related. So I was, uh, and, and most of the time I wasn't actually making money. I was like just getting housed and fed in exchange for doing campaign work on some terribly underfunded libertarian campaign somewhere. <laughs> but no. uh, I, I, I'm honestly, if you're uh, like in your early 20s, late teens, don't have a family to support, would highly encourage a lifestyle like that. Super fun. It was a great time. Um, but, you know, I, I got out of politics. I'm in finance now. Um, I do now have uh, like a wife and a family to support. So that was a big part of that as well. But I, I at this point think that the country is too far gone for us to like elect ourselves into freedom. Uh, there are a few states in the country that uh, on like local issues or maybe even a couple of statewide uh, things, they might have a shot like, like an Oklahoma or a Wyoming or a New Hampshire, you know, there's, there's a few states out there that might still be able to, to go through the legislative process and get a little bit more Liberty. But I live in New York uh, I, I am pretty much just doomed. The, the next time I will see true liberty in my area is after the fall of the federal government. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen before that. And so I'm a lot more invested in uh, activism and waking people up to the fact that there is this huge problem uh, because the Libertarian Party can continue to do what it's doing and grow. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if if we do enough and we wake enough people up and we try to help people enough uh, and create enough mutual aid networks and and other things like that, then maybe we can actually last long enough to where the Libertarian Party has a chance to do what it's trying to do. And I think that's the only way that they can be successful is if there's a there's a least a dam in the the flood that's just kind of destroying our country so i'm working on that and i'm supportive of the people that are running for office but that's not where i'm going to be spending most of my time and energy going forward i mean you said three and a half years doing campaigns all over the place so yeah i don't blame you um it's it's interesting i my my personal um gripe with libertarians I, I guess as a culture um a lot of mm -hmm. this gets put on to the party which i think is entirely unfair um the libertarian party is can only exist on the county level 
It's a it's an organization based on the idea of decentralization. And so the mm-hmm. idea of a national party is even ridiculous. So yeah. I don't understand why people focus so much like, oh, national did this, national did that. It's like, you know what? It shouldn't be more than a mail- mailbox and people to call region reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, Unfortunately, because we live in a country that operates the way that it does, the national party is kind of like a necessary evil at this point. Like if we want to run a presidential campaign, which most states have to run a presidential campaign if they want to even have a glimpse at ballot access in the other three years, uh, we have to have a national party that has some sort of a consensus over something. It doesn't have to be what it is. And it definitely doesn't have to be cared about so much like you're saying. And I understand that, you know, maybe outsiders looking in, they see the National Party tweet something and they go, oh, every libertarian must believe this. Sure, I I understand that point of view, but that's not what I'm hearing most. I'm hearing people inside the party that know better that are saying this kind of stuff. Or even before when it was the the old guard, before the takeover, uh, it was like, they're not doing anything they didn't do this they didn't do that it's like you know better that this is a a dysfunctional decentralized half-staffed organization that's running off of a quarter of the funding it needs and two percent the funding of the the other two parties and yeah no they're not able to help everybody and do all the things you know make it a lot easier for them to help everybody and do all the things joining and helping instead of just being negative all the time and, you know, we saw a takeover and now it's the same thing the other way around. You know, oh, they're not doing this. They're not doing that because half of the movement is always sitting on the sidelines throwing stones and we don't come together as a solid unit ever. Yeah. Well, and I, I just think it's interesting. It's like, okay, I'll take you at your word. You have better ideas. So let's see them. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Like if if it's so great, why aren't you doing it where you are if you have all the answers or why didn't you run for office? And honestly, I'm just kind of sick of that. It's like either put up or shut up at this point. Yeah, uh before I left the I I used to be a a state committee member here in New York, but I was planning on moving out of the state and I actually did for a couple of months and so I resigned cuz I I feel like it's it's unethical to to care about other states politics or to vote on on other states things. I don't like doing that. Um and before I resigned the last thing that I did was I w- we were working on starting a Super Saturday program that I pretty much stole verbatim from Indiana's state chair uh who's doing a great job there uh where every or like one Saturday a month there's just a volunteer project somewhere in the state and it's organized by either the counties or the regions. And, you know, I, I posed a couple of different ways that we could structure it. And the main opposition came from one person who was in the middle of running for chair of the state party at the time, uh, quietly. He hadn't actually announced yet, but like he ended up running for chair and his, he was calling it an unfunded state mandate that like the state party was telling county parties that they have to spend money and do this thing. And that like, it's, this is horrible that like we would be telling people they have to do this. 
and I'm like, if if your major concern is the ten dollars in garbage bags it's gonna take to like go do a park cleanup for two hours on a Saturday, like you've got priorities all sorts of in a twist. Um, but this person was one of those people that's sitting around saying, you know, I have so many better ideas, like we should be doing so many more things. And then was the pretty much the only opposition. And then, you know, like he has his little group of friends that all voted along with him and they lost, but it was just ridiculous to see that kind of a pushback to just an idea like, Hey, why don't we do a monthly volunteer project to try to like better our reputation in the community as not just these individualistic hates the poor people, hates everybody that isn't them type libertarians. Let's show them that we're different. And this guy really just wanted to prove that those people are right. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, I get some people view this as a social club. Um, the One of the last interviews I did was with uh, Justin O'Donnell and we were discussing it's it's a way of life it's almost like a personality disorder to be a libertarian <laughs> and, you know yeah. it's uh it's yeah, accurate it's, it, it's very interesting to me um and i think the biggest riff is that everyone even screams individualism like we're all individuals like let's all just be ourselves and do whatever we want let's just not hurt each other but then as soon as there's opposition to somebody's lifestyle, all hell breaks loose every mm -hmm. time. And it's like, I cannot want you arrested because of whatever you're doing and still not be okay with it. Like it's still yeah. not promote it for my life. You know, just because I don't do it for my life doesn't mean I hate you. Yeah. But that doesn't click for some reason. Like, Shit, there's things I do in my life that I also will will talk like I'm a hypocrite sometimes like if I see somebody say anything about like maybe starting to smoke tobacco I will chew them out because like no don't do that it's really dumb <laughs> like yeah. you shouldn't go to jail for it uh you shouldn't have to be 21 and have a state ID to to do it but like you really just shouldn't in general it's a bad yeah. life choice uh, it smells bad expensive yeah. yeah that's that is the i guess that's the one like state thing that you know where the government does something that i hate that almost still works is cigarette taxes because every time i've quit i it's been when i'm living here in new york and it's because of the financial burden it's always because i lose my job and i cannot like comp like I can't spend $10 a pack on cigarettes and still like sleep at night and justify like <laughs> complaining that I don't have enough money for groceries. Like it's just not yeah. right. And that's always been what's gotten me to quit. And so there's that little voice in the back of my head. That's like, haha, the government got you. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, if they wouldn't devalue our money and all of, all of these other things, then maybe, you know, on a much, lower wage we'd actually be able to afford because our buying power was more mm -hmm. you know not promoting smoking cigarettes but you know gotta do what you gotta do and uh, yeah i i don't know it's um there, there's a lot of things i don't want people arrested for but i also don't want to promote and most of the yeah. time i just keep my mouth shut about it i don't uh rag on it like some people do 
Um, however, if it's something that historically has not been accepted and you put it out there, I'm sorry, but you've got to be able to roll with the punches. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a long time before some things get accepted uh, as just culturally norm or it might not ever, you know? Yeah. Like, how long did it take uh, to smoke weed in public before that was... I mean, it's still frowned upon in most places, but, mm-hmm. like, the use of marijuana, like, that that took 60 years. Yeah. People are still freaking out. Mm-hmm. So any, anything, uh, like, being a sex worker, of course I don't want you arrested for that. That's, that's ridiculous. But I'm not going to promote it like it's, you know, a plumber or an accountant. <laughs> it's not the same type of job. So... <laughs> big difference between uh you know decriminalization legalization and normalization so i i don't know but once again that's my opinion and i'm still willing to work with people and you know work on you know sex work projects even though it's really far down the list i've got other things to worry about you know libertarians just in general just can't seem to get that through their skull and uh, i i think that's a really good example yeah, I think that's a really good example. Uh, I think it's actually like pretty much the first issue that I can think back on to like realizing that I've been a libertarian for a while is I remember being I was like 12 or 13 and having a conversation with my mom about why prostitution is illegal. Uh, I think I think there was this was actually spurred by a Bible verse about like a prostitute. And so I was like, well, what's that? And then like a couple weeks later, it was like a. a couple week long like bits and pieces just like nosy kid asking questions and then i just kind of came to this place where i was like okay it's wrong but why can't we just tell people it's wrong why do we have to put people in jail for it like they're not hurting anyone and my mom is basically just like i don't know because that's what we do to tell people that it's wrong like that's how this country works um put them in time out <laughs> yeah um and so like i personally have come a long way on that issue like i went from it's wrong and it's horrible and whether you're the, the prostitute or the person like purchasing it like you're committing a sin and you should go to hell for it maybe and like like i had all of those opinions now i have probably at least half a dozen sex workers i consider close friends uh but in all that time my opinion on like the the safety of it or the morality of it has not changed all that much and it still shouldn't be legal regardless of where you are on that spectrum you can think it's the worst thing ever or participated in it yourself uh it still just shouldn't be something where we put people in cages over yeah and i totally agree it's one of these things, like I said, I, I'm i not going to promote it to my daughter. I'm not going to promote it to any friends. I, I have a couple of friends in in the uh, sex work industry. Uh, you better believe I rag on them for it, but guess what? They rag on me for other things, too. So, I mean, you're a fucking podcaster. That's like a whole... Yeah, a libertarian <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> like, we haven't heard that joke before, you know? Right. That's so. more cliche than an OnlyFans at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
it's just one of those things like i mean there, there's only a couple of people i i could honestly think of in the party that i probably wouldn't work with but that's on an individual because they're it just wouldn't work well um mm -hmm. however like i can work with anybody and i i don't understand why most people don't obviously this is a thing that's been going on in the party for 50 years you know pretty much it's like and i think you, you identified the main problem early on in this episode of like we're a decentralized movement based on like leave people alone trying to make a difference together <laughs> uh because yeah. really even activism is antithetical to the libertarian lifestyle because we're out here trying to get people to change their lifestyles their points of view how they view the world and i think it's a noble cause but it's also really conflicting with our uh just don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and leave them the fuck alone yeah. ideology and there's always going to be it's really just a difference of priorities where some people think that these are areas where we leave people alone and these are areas where we push them and other people have it the other way around so yeah. to some people uh abolishing borders is not a big deal uh but if you believe in caging people over marijuana then there's no way i could ever work with you and then you know there's i have friends who are held the exact opposite stances that you know could never work with somebody that doesn't believe in abolishing borders like they have to at least understand that borders are made up otherwise can't work with you yeah and i think it's all just about uh it, working with people on the issues that you agree with them on and it's actively ignoring them when it comes to the other issues uh, and I, I think if we did a lot less libertarian party organizing and a lot more uh, like pack organizing on specific issues, all of those people that hate marijuana prohibition could work together on something that is just about marijuana prohibition. And they do not have to give a fuck what anybody thinks about anything else, because if they're going to a meeting or an event or doing anything, it is about something that they agree on. Or if it's the Libertarian Party, you have to worry about who's in control and what's going on and what they're prioritizing and all of the different issues. And I just see that's that's pretty much why I left the party. I would much rather yeah. work with smaller groups that are just attacking a specific thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's more efficient that way. Um, yeah. Technically, it would have to work that way. Um, you know, beyond state level uh you know i do know the uh the requirements that we have to run certain federal candidates to be able to remain having ballot access mm -hmm. um which is always a crapshoot like you guys up in new york lost it this year right yeah well we lost it in 2020 um but fa also failed to we at least had somebody on the ballot in 2020 and they didn't get enough votes to keep us on the ballot this time we didn't even get on the ballot this year around larry for the first time since the early 1900s and only the second or third time in new york state history there are only two choices for governor on the ballot wow. we've always had a third option except for just a small handful of times Man, and I've I've got to hand it to you guys being libertarians in New York. <laughs> like it's rough. You guys in California, 
I, I don't know how you guys do it. Like I have a hard time over here in Utah, you know, and uh, we're a deep red state on the surface and down below it's a lot of uh, Democrats running as Republicans just so they can win. You know, like it, it's messy over here. Real messy. Yeah. But I mean, we're only 20 down on the list of uh, Cato's free estates. So, you know, we're not. It's neither. not terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I've got a kind of the worst of both worlds because I live in upstate New York. So I live in a state with some of the highest uh, inflation, uh, highest taxes, highest government spending and most corruption with a bunch of fuck Brandon flags everywhere I go and just like the most annoying of people. Uh, and they're super loud here because they they feel like that's somehow going to change something. Uh, and the idea of like they're so used to losing, but they're so used to being so close to not losing anymore that the idea of starting from scratch and losing a lot as a libertarian is just unfathomable to most people around here. So they're like clinging to the worst, like metropolitan, like downstate Republicans. Like their current gubernatorial candidate is from Long Island. He's a like he's a New York Cityer. He has nothing in common with any of the farmers or truckers in my area, but that's who they're all backing because he's the only one that he that that has a chance. He's gonna wow. get thirty percent of the vote max. That's that's wild. I mean, at, at that point, like, why even vote? You know, that's where I start getting black pilled. I'm like. Yeah. Okay. This is pointless. Like, let's let's just go do something else. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's honestly why I wasn't involved here in uh, the state of Utah for so long because I was just like, it, it's a Republican state. There's there's no point. You know. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I'm currently running for office, which first time running for office that's not you know like school, uh, school politics or whatever. And I totally see why people don't. Um, I mean, I already knew why people weren't involved in uh, politics in the first place. But then, um, yeah, trying to run for office, man, it is a joke. It is a joke. Yeah. Nothing I, wakes you up faster, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's interesting because I, I'm running against. Uh, well, I can't speak on him personally because I don't know him personally, but his political career, it seems like he is squandering the position. Um, so running for state house and it's the only house district that's all contained in one county. It's huh. the smallest house district. Um, you know, the, the to win, I would need 7,000 votes. That's it. And I would be at a state level position. Um, he's not really campaigning. Uh, he's won the last two cycles, but he's also establishment. So he's not even worried about campaigning. You know, he's like, ah, I got this. And so, yeah. Is there it, a Democrat in the race? Or is it two, just the two of you? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a Democrat, um, which is interesting because he was actually uh, a neighbor of mine. And hmm. we had actually just uh, did a in-person debate a couple nights ago. 
really interesting. He didn't remember me, which I didn't think he would, but that's fine. Um, the incumbent didn't show up, which I didn't expect him to. Apparently, he had knee surgery, so um, sat and talked with the Democrat, and it was he was a polished, a polished politician. You know, like he knew everything to say uh, for his side. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was interesting. And uh, we had the local newspaper come in and uh, report on the debate. I got called radical, so I took that as a win. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, you know, I won then. So, but yeah, man, it's, I definitely don't want to keep running for office. It's, I don't want to be a politician. I have zero it's... interest. Yeah, I think that's one of the the problems with the way that our country was designed. And it was inconceivable to the people that designed it because a lot of them were this kind of niche in between. But it's very rare to find somebody that is has like good ideas and a good conscience and moral standing and also wants to gain power. And so and also like a people person. <laughs> yeah. Uh like there it's it's it was built in a way that like the the best people were going to stay as far away from it as possible. And then that system just got built up and built up and built up and the schism got made bigger and bigger to where anybody that like has a life is just like, nah, fuck that shit. I don't I don't want that. Uh and there's the few like I don't know some of the candidates that we have that I feel like are are that nice in between that are like actually running and want to win but also don't want the power they want to be representatives or whatnot uh but it's just a really niche human to find yeah no it I mean so I I kind of went through this you know I was just going to run a paper ballot campaign when I initially filed I was okay with that. And then, I mean, I wanted the experience. I went through, gone to all kinds of different uh, training events from so-called liberty-minded people who tell you to vote for Republicans. And uh, it's been interesting. Now, I would take running for office serious if um, if I had the backing, if I had the, uh, the infrastructure that it takes to run a successful campaign i would but getting that infrastructure is impossible almost yeah. you know and I, d I don't want a, a a republican or democrat throwaway campaign manager you know like you know they got fired on the campaign or whatever so now they're coming to us you know yeah um, it's too much for one person for sure so it's just i don't know um it's interesting i definitely don't believe that legislatively there's really much that we can do um but i'm so black pilled at this point um that there's a certain amount of white pill where it's like i'm just gonna do it anyways because i'll just throw everything at the wall until something sticks yeah yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you definitely, no candidate should be their own campaign manager. Uh, that's that's just, 
just a recipe for disaster. I did that for my city council campaign in 2019. And, uh, but yeah, big mistake. Uh, it's, it's two very different people types. Um, the people that can run a campaign and the people that can run for office. Uh, and I think, uh, something that the libertarian party does not do very well is, uh, promote the second type, the campaign manager types. Uh, they push a lot of people into running for office or running for party position. They don't push a lot of people into support staff. And it's it's crazy that we don't, considering what I was saying earlier about like how hard it is to find somebody that would want to join the LP that's actually going to be a good candidate. Uh, a lot of us are more empathetic, uh, numbers-oriented, detail-oriented, kind of people that are actually better at being like a field director or campaign manager uh and and we just don't have any of those we don't train those we don't push people into those positions we don't encourage people that are field directors um you know we don't interview field directors on our podcasts (laughs) you know like it's just not something that's glamorized the same way uh and i think that that's that's something that I've seen various groups of people try to work on. I know the in the quote unquote old guard LNC was doing uh, like regional trainings uh, run mostly by Kara Schultz about like how to be a campaign manager, but that was still only just one of those jobs. Like if I think if we actually uh, taught and and nurtured this support staff that it takes to run a campaign, we could have at least seven or eight campaigns across the country fully staffed with people that know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, that has always been kind of curious to me. It's why, why is it just let's hurry and go um, just fill these positions just to get the L on the ballot. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Okay, maybe that might be a strategy sometimes, somewhere, in a specific location for certain positions. Um, like, I think they made that work in Pennsylvania. There was just, like, a bunch of positions nobody was running for, and mm-hmm. they just got libertarians in there. And went, All right. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, that is kind of a Pennsylvania-specific strategy. Yeah. Uh, the Moulton Maneuver is... is it, I think there's a couple other states where it could work. Um, I don't know what they are, uh, but the Molten Maneuver specifically preys on a really shitty bureaucratic process that Pennsylvania state <laughs> ha- law has has kind of tweaked to create where they figured out that if they just don't run anyone, they can appoint people and save they they say it's to save taxpayer dollars by running elections that mm-hmm. don't need to happen, um, and and that's a that's a fair argument considering that most of these people would probably be running unopposed and and win and whatever. Uh, like in New York, we just have a fuck ton of unopposed people that are basically appointed, um, but like they just don't do that in Pennsylvania. They just straight up appoint them, and so the molten maneuver preys on that. Uh, by running just libertarians in these elections that are supposed to be left vacant and end up running libertarians unopposed and winning a, a yeah. couple hundred a year. Yeah, and that's 
I don't know. So the idea that the only purpose to a political party is to win elections is ridiculous to me. That That is ridiculous because not everyone is going to be a great politician. Not everyone needs to be in office. There's things mm-hmm. you can do outside of office and have a lot of impact. And I just, I don't believe that whole like, well, you're not winning elections, so you're not successful. It's like, well, we're not successful because we're not really honing in on anything. It's just kind of a bunch of unorganized, like too many uh, irons in the fire, you know? Yeah. And it's like with the limited resources, limited attention span, <laughs> um, we, we really just need to uh, analyze everything, look at some data, double down on things that we actually could win. You know, if I, if I had uh, the backing of state and national in, in a 7,000 vote race, are you kidding me? Of course I would get in. Yeah. You know? So it's, we, could, we could have a state rep right now, but I need the backing and everything else. And honestly, I would rather be the chair of uh, the county party because that's what I do outside of this. Um, I'd much rather do that, honestly. It's a lot more my speed working with the community. Um, but nonetheless, the, the point is, is that, like, you can take, you know, you can take some data looking at exactly what races are actually winnable and actually go go that route. Yeah. I, I think that the... So I I kind of agree with the statement that the the only job of the party uh, is to to win elections. Uh, I will actually kind of agree with that, but I also agree with everything that you said after you disagreed with that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think that there are a lot of things to do outside of running for office. I think that most of things should be done outside of the party also. Uh, like I said, uh, if you if you want to something that we're working on here in New York State is uh, gun law nullification on a county level. Uh, we're doing that as a state party. Uh, there is a nonprofit organization called um, Guns Demand Action uh, that is going around talking to various county le- legislators and uh, like county sheriffs. And we're working on getting at least like Western and a lot of central and upper New York to just basically nullify the ridiculous level of gun laws that we have here in New York state. That is something that we're doing outside of the party that by dropping the L we get to work with literally anyone and everyone. We get to work with Democrats who grew up around here shooting guns and agree with us. We get to work with Republicans who, if they don't agree with us, we get to destroy them uh, in their next election. Uh, and and we get to work with, with people that don't like what they see on our Twitter account or anything. Else. Like We just get rid of all of those issues and we get to work with anyone that is working towards the same goal of gun rights in upstate New York, uh, which is a fairly simple goal. And so I think that like, if, if you want to do stuff like that, you, a, it's a lot easier, B it's a lot easier paperwork wise and funding wise and, and C it's just a lot easier in practice to do it outside of the party. 
And then the party gets to actually focus on what you're saying, which is identifying either winnable races or high profile races and focusing effort into training candidates and support staff and winning elections while we're out here making the world a freer place uh, in the process and showing all of these people what libertarianism looks like in action. And, yeah. and then we get to work together by running candidates who have done successful things in these nonprofits. Like if, if we actually successfully do this and we have a whole uh, like safe zone for guns in Western New York, the chair of our nonprofit is going to have a much better congressional race after that than he ever has before. Uh, and so they, they end up working in tandem, but I think, I personally think that if we let the party focus on being the party and do everything else outside of the party, uh, we end up getting the people who don't want to work together to not really have to work together. And the people that want to work together on winning elections get to do that. Yeah. You know, just running it through my head real quick. It kind of seems like if anyone could actually get that system to work, um, you know, have the administrative behind the scenes people work on just like party stuff, but then you also have you know the foot soldiers, soldiers out there knocking doors or you know trying to get a ballot initiative out there uh, and approved for people to vote on. Like you had both sides of the party, it kind of seems like things could mellow out and a lot of uh, reputation could be healed. Um, yeah, I think it would happen quicker than in some places than others. Um, so that does lead me to want to ask, do you believe that the the name uh, Libertarian is too poisoned and should we drop it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think that it's too poisoned. I think that... Uh, electoral politics is a little too poisoned to preach the system is broken but we're the answer at the same time and so the lp brand i think is is broken in in a way but i don't like the idea of dropping it because the really the only way to heal it is to to take it back to kind of yankee doodle it for for instance and be like <laughs> yeah no we are libertarians yeah. but this is what we believe it's not what you've heard it's this um and i think that uh like the evangelical christian model of this is kind of the best way to look at it where it's not about going around talking about libertarianism constantly it's about <laughs> just being a decent person and then every once in a while dropping a little little hints here and there or if somebody says or asks you well why is it that you provide always have such nuance when we talk about current events issues it's like oh well you know i'm actually a libertarian i don't fall into either of the two major camps that kind of just take media from one source or the other and i see both sides and i think that both sides are being lied to uh, to keep you guys at odds with each other. You know, that is how we actually bring people into libertarianism. I think it's just that kind of simple evangelizing to the people around us is one of the best ways to fix that brand. Uh, and like I said, I mean, the Christian brand has been destroyed a thousand times over, uh, but there's still people that are out there able to make, make their coworkers go, hmm, 
maybe those Christians are all right on a daily basis because they're just decent humans that aren't terrible individualists who hate the poor and hate everyone that isn't <laughs> them, right? Like they're, yeah. they're not what they've been told and you kind of get to break down that paradigm on a personal level. Uh, and, and honestly, like I self-identify as an anarchist. That label yeah. is significantly more tainted than the libertarian label. <laughs> yeah, I'm an anarcho-capitalist, so... I don't yeah. even bring that up because everyone's like, it's it, jokes, just jokes. <laughs> yeah. It, you have to find somebody that like knows and cares enough about uh, like modern politics to know what the word libertarian means. 60 yeah. plus percent of Americans m like might recognize the word from like a Ron Paul campaign or something or a Gary Johnson or something like that. Or, or just like, you know, seen it flash across their, the bottom on their, when they're watching the elections or something. Oh, I saw that terrible New Hampshire thing. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, but, but most people don't have an opinion of the word libertarian. Yeah. Most people know what anarchy means. It means crazy, dysfunctional, terrible, everyone's dying, everyone's getting murdered in the streets and stealing and pillaging and looting. Like, people have an idea of what the word anarchy means. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I hear a lot of people that say, I'm going to drop the libertarian brand. It's too tainted. I'm just an anarchist. And like that idea is ridiculous to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you think uh, libertarian is a tough sale. Uh, good luck. You're going to be pretty much on your own at that point. Everyone's yeah. going to associate you with Antifa and everything that happened past three years. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I've always been on the, uh, or always had the belief that, you know, a lot of these labels in, in the first place are, it's, they're really not important, <laughs> you know, um, more of them are meant to divide than actually bring people together. Because, um, of course, I have my alliances only as far as, uh, you know, they represent what I personally believe. You know, it all starts with myself, and then I align myself with whoever is closest and criticize what's not. But then I personally am not going to judge somebody uh, strictly just on said whatever. Maybe that's a modern uh, a, a modern issue in our society that, you know, we just do judge books by their cover or uh, I don't know. It, like I said earlier about the uh, some libertarians just can't get over like right now um, maybe it's me I see more people going extremely hard against any uh, establishment for the LP so you're either all for it or you're all mm -hmm. against it and it's like instead of trying to tear down the system which doesn't look good on you, <laughs> you know? Supposedly, yeah. liberty is what matters to you, but you're spending your time talking about the LP, which you are so done with and had to tell everybody. Yep. Then that's all again, you're doing. Again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like a bunch of gotchas. Like, I got you. See what they did here? See what they said here? And it's like, whatever, yeah. like... Uh, I'm I'm still a party member. It's definitely not the first thing out of my mouth. I don't wear it on my sleeve like a lot of people. 
you know. Just, I mean, I still, I, I still kind of do. I, I wear this kind of shit in public as often as I can. Uh, I have a, a Dan Berman style taxationist theft hat that I wear oh, yeah, uh, probably four or five days a week. Uh, and I never used to be a hat guy. That hat made me a hat guy because I enjoyed being able to just like wear that out and and promote. And I think that's a little bit of a louder version of what I was talking about earlier. But I think that kind of stuff is helpful too, of just showing people that we're not necessarily the minority that 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 we feel like we are often. Uh, it, like the amount of times that I get compliments on that hat from just like random people in the supermarket. When I think like I live in a white trash town in upstate New York, like I know the four libertarians in my town because I'm friends with them on Facebook, but like there's only four <laughs> of us, right? But yet yeah. somehow I still can't go to Walmart in that hat without somebody complimenting it, which means that there's a lot more people that believe what I believe in my area and we just aren't connecting uh, and I don't know, that gives me a sense of hope. I I can agree with that. You know, that's always been my question is where is everybody? Because, <laughs> you know, these aren't unpopular ideas to the average person. Oh, I get to keep more of my money. Or, you know, I get to decide what I fund uh, or what government programs I fund, you know, because I can opt in and out of taxes or whatever, or, um, you know, I can uh, fish without a license. Like uh, these ideas aren't unpopular in general when you speak about them normally without getting super all jacked up and excited. Taxation is that, <laughs> which I'm also guilty of, but where is everybody? You know, that's one of the hardest things that's was eye-opening to me. Um, was... I think we might have lost Jacob. Oh, this episode is sponsored by Blood of Tyrants Wine. Go get yourself a bottle of Blood of Tyrants. <laughs> Use promo code F4L. There we go. <laughs> Got a bottle so of that wine. Still have not tried it yet. Mm. Waiting, I, uh, waiting I still haven't gotten today. a bottle yet. Uh-oh, Dan. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm almost scared to drink it. I know I can get more, and I need to realize that, that I can just uh, drink this one and just buy more. I, I need to realize that. Um, I think it was the first time my mom ever seemed interested in my podcast in any way, shape, or form was when I told her that I had a wine sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. So, yeah, it getting people together you know mm -hmm. I, I know there's the trope of you know herding cats or whatever i don't think that that's it um for instance part i held it. it's kind of part of it i mean i held an event it was an lp event but we weren't doing politics it was uh come and watch a baseball game i had free baseball tickets for everybody all you had to do was show up nobody came and i was just like wow Damn. Yeah. So I would go to that. That sounds great. Right? Like it was something I wanted to do to take a break from politics. And it was a LP County, you know, event, but that was the extent of the politics. It was just come out, watch a baseball game, eat some cracker jacks, 
thing. Yeah. So, but I mean, I know, you know, it's that's not a. It's it's not just a this area issue. Lots of people have issues getting people out. Um, and then if you go out to where people are, they don't want to be bothered with politics. <laughs> yeah. So, like, look, man, I'm just here buying groceries. I don't want to sign your petition. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, and, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier of, like, the people that are going to agree with us are even more likely to not listen to us when we try to stop them going into the grocery store because they don't care. It's like, oh, that piece of paper is is like always is you signing on to an idea and trying to make that idea a reality somehow. Functionally, most liberty-minded people don't give a shit about making their ideas reality on other people. Like, I get to believe them myself and that's enough for me. Uh, and so, yeah, it creates this really obnoxious paradigm of the people that are going to listen to us the most aren't listening to us at all because they don't care about politics. Yeah. Well, and trust me, I don't want to care about politics. <laughs> right. You know, this is not fun for me. Um, I've learned to enjoy it because I am the way that I am. But, you know, it's. I want to be able to not care about it, but if I don't care about it, then I know for a fact that, you know, we'll uh, end up in the matrix somehow, all, you know, trading central banking digital currencies and living in the metaverse, you know, yeah. while they're like, I I don't know, you know, it's, it's a if scary. that's going to happen, <laughs> if it's going to happen, I want to at least be able to say, well, it wasn't much, but I tried. Hmm. so it's however i will say i think ultimately things like what you're doing because you said you had stepped away mm -hmm. i think uh let me know what you think about this is that actually just focusing on yourself and your family uh whoever that may be is actually going to be the most important thing and the reason why I feel that is because you've got to live the lifestyle first. Mm -hmm. You got to be exactly what you're promoting, you know, um, as a libertarian, I wouldn't promote being a candidate. That's not what I would promote. I would promote being able to live free, you know? Yeah. If I'm not living that lifestyle somehow, then I kind of feel like I'm betraying the, the whole point. So honestly, I think what you're doing and people doing similar things are actually doing some of the more important work. Yeah, it's it's hard to say like you should be a homesteader and you should uh, like own own instead of rent and you know uh, have a garden and all of these things when you're a nomad like that hasn't even rented a place officially and like multiple years um and hasn't had a garden in about five uh, so yeah. it's yeah i'm excited to kind of stay put a little bit and get to lay down the roots and i don't i haven't even gotten to do the uh be an active member of your community and help people kind of thing that i promote constantly 
because I've been uh, on the road. And it's one of the benefits of, of us moving back to the area that I grew up in is I already kind of have roots here that I can just kind of uh, reconnect with and talk to. Uh, I'm actually kind of friends with the mayor uh, acquaintances. So like can possibly get more involved that way again. Uh, but also I, I'm excited about what I am doing uh, career-wise also because I think that helping people, helping small business owners um, and kind of fostering a more modern way to do small business finance and kind of helping them compete with these larger conglomerates is in the end going to do a lot more benefit than any of the stuff that I did politically. Uh, and then, you know, if I actually make a decent amount of money off of this, which hopefully I will, I can actually reinvest that back into the movement and fund some of these projects that are ridiculously underfunded. So I, I'm, I'm justifying my stepping away from the, the politics a little bit by saying that like, I, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm doing in finance, but also, yeah, I'm excited to be home. I'm going to be working from home with my son and uh, being kind of like work from home dad while my wife works outside of the home. So that'll be, that'll be fun. I'll get to spend all day with him and just kind of build. Yeah, no, that's honestly super based, <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't imagine having a better opportunity because a lot of kids don't get that and yeah. uh that that's not even uh highly sought after it seems like in in a lot of social circles so no that's super based and you know who knows if we'll see any resemblance of uh, what liberty would be in our lifetime but next generation who knows mm-hmm we just gotta i've already i've it. already taught him that cops are pigs um <laughs> that one wasn't even on purpose i just have this habit um that for years uh where like anytime i see a police officer i just <laughs> like as i'm walking past and and my son who's three like kind of picked up on it once and just like questioningly uh from the back seat was like that that cop is a piggy and my wife just looks at me like death stare and i'm like whoops sorry <laughs> sorry not sorry <laughs> oh man that's that's funny though oh that's that's awesome yeah like i said that's super based and i'm super happy for you uh, i think we'll wrap Thanks, up sir. here but i do have one last question for you um thank you for coming on by the way thank you for everyone who has uh watched make sure to go and check out rise to liberty.com slash links that's where you can find everywhere we are um we are being soft censored everywhere so it's really difficult to grow like share subscribe and uh make sure get this in front of many eyeballs as possible um go ahead yeah. and shout anything out david and then i'll uh ask you the final question before we close out uh yeah so you guys thank thank you Jacob for having me. This was great. Anytime. Uh, thanks for watching y'all. Uh, if you want to follow me or uh, follow any of the stuff that I'm doing, uh, Twitter is at David fight or at fight for Liberty, uh, depending on whether or not you want my un uncensored 
ramblings or like very very well crafted social media presence um <laughs> i suggest i suggest the uncensored one it's more amusing um but yeah uh follow the podcast we're doing another 6 p.m with uh my good friend uh john mahan who's opening or running a company teaching salespeople how to be better at their jobs through dedicated practice like a musician or an artist would rather than just throwing a bunch of acronyms and hoping they stick so that'll be a good episode oh yeah that sounds great so the last question it's uh one, one that i like to get everyone's different perspective on but why does liberty matter that's a good question. Um, I think that it matters in the sense that uh, the more that we restrict just natural human ability, uh, we're, we've kind of ended up dumbing down and over-censoring us as a species to a point where we're not actually evolving the way that we're supposed to evolve. And a lot of these things seem intentional, in my opinion, as far as like the war on psychedelics uh, or, or other nutraceuticals and like plant medicine to uh, how they've taken over the raising of our children, basically from the time they're born to the time that they leave the house. Uh, this is this is a serious issue that ends up stopping us from being able to live our lives the way that we were intended to, uh, whether you believe in one creator or a bunch or an science or whatever we, we were intended to do greater things than we're doing now by this time in my opinion yeah that's a great answer you know it, it's interesting it, most people don't really need rules or laws you know and if somebody screws up uh, collectively the the village will correct it's mm -hmm. self-correcting of course there's outliers that you know who knows exactly how each uh, village should fix those outliers, but uh, that's up for those villages to decide. And I agree. It, it, our creativity, our growth, and everything as a species is definitely stifled, and it does seem like it's on purpose um, for whatever crazy reason. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm not going to try and make sense of it. So, awesome. Thank you, David, so much. It was a killer, killer episode. I'll get you back on because it was a lot of fun. And uh, Thanks, I'll be sir. talking to you soon, dude. All right. <laughs> Stay free. <laughs>